Yeah, that's uh, also a good point. And I'm curious to ask you this question. Do you think if nothing changed in maybe 10 years, do you think we have to think about something beyond academy and industry? Perhaps a new institution, because I think even Eric Weinstein was asking this question, if we have to find something beyond academy and industry, something completely new. Do you think about that? We can make up with new ideas beyond academy, new institution, new structures. I think it's possible. I think right now we have this kind of educational government complex in the United States where most of the funding to do a project like the Simons Observatory is a hundred million dollar project that I am, you know, privileged to co-lead with uh, with many other colleagues at uh, Penn, Princeton, Berkeley, and elsewhere. And this project couldn't happen without uh, without private funding in the case of the Simons Foundation. Uh, and in our other projects, Polar Bear, which is also pictured behind me, and, and Alma, pictured way in the distance over there, those are billion-dollar class, or the Alma is at least, a billion-dollar class observatory couldn't be built without, you know, um, universities, without large scientific foundations that back it. So I think in experimental science, it's, it's unlikely to change. In, um, in, in terms of you know, projects with the theoretical side, like Eric is talking about uh, frequently, and by the way, he says hi to you, as well as uh, Ben Shapiro asked me to send you uh, a, a hello. Uh, so uh, you have fans that you don't even know and maybe you'll never meet, maybe you will. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but I told them that you follow them both. And, uh, and, and I, think, uh, I think it's a sign that media like this are going to be more prominent and that we are going to, you know, basically have an overwhelming uh, obligation because if you want to get funded outside of the academic industrial complex, uh, then you need to bypass it. You need to go to the people that are actually paying for it, right? The NSF in America and the CRC in, in, in Europe or whatever, they don't have millions of dollars. They get it from taxes. And who pays those taxes? Well, it's the citizens. And so if you and I and others like us and Eric, if we can take our message to the citizens, that will start a groundswell. And that will say, hey, look, Marwa Alduini is doing this amazing work. Or Eric Weinstein's doing this amazing work. Why not support it? And maybe we'll need to have, you know, like Patreon for physics, account, you know, or, or what have you. I don't know. But I wouldn't have predicted, you know, what, 10 years ago that someone like me could be talking to someone like you instantaneously across the continent and then tens of thousands of people will hopefully see our conversation and share and benefit from it. So I believe there are opportunities and it's going to take a smart young person, maybe not young, I don't know, to think of a model outside of the academic industrial complex. Mm -hmm. I think that's really wonderful, Boyan. And, and that leads a question about the podcast, Into Impossible podcast. And I, I, I before asking the motivation, I think I listened to Professor Gatz uh, Sare in your podcast, and he said that how the effect of podcasting or YouTube can influence people in maybe underprivileged countries. And that's really powerful if you look for publication and you look for the podcast and the influence of that. So if you can tell us about the motivation for your podcast, why do you think maybe podcasting can be a life-changing experience for people interested in science? Because some students cannot really afford the fees for studying. I've had that thought a lot, especially with COVID, that um, the, the, the model of education needs to change. And yeah. again, these are all existential threats. If, if mm -hmm. academies don't react, 
and uh, and take the, the challenge and just try to keep the old way where there's a professor on Zoom talking to a class on Zoom. That that's that that's going to be the end of academia, as far as I'm concerned. We need to be active. We need to be uh, doing uh, doing virtual reality, doing augmented reality. I mean, as I said, um, Professor uh, not Professor Dr. Peter Diamandis came on my show at the beginning of the pandemic. And I said to him, look, I'm a pretty good teacher, but I'm not as smart as Galileo or, you know, Isaac Newton or, you know, people of that nature. And wouldn't my students like to talk to them? I mean, how, how cool would it be to talk to them or have them here or have them directly there? Uh, and there's no reason that you can't. Uh, and some say that we are in a simulation. I don't want to talk about that yet. But, but, but the fact is we have the technology nowadays with Oculus, with, with very inexpensive things, much cheaper than a textbook. Uh, an Oculus is cheaper than some of my textbooks that are used at, in, in university. So we have to adapt, or again, it's going to be an existential threat to, mm -hmm. the, to the academy. Look, the academy has been in place. Uh, there was a university in Egypt in, uh, I think, the year 1000. And then there was a university in Bologna in Italy in, in, in the year 1082. And essentially, it was some guy standing up and scratching a piece of rock on a blackboard, another rock, and that hasn't really changed that much in, in a thousand years. Now, how many other things haven't changed in a thousand years? Very yeah. few. And so if we don't change it, that's the risk. And so I agree with, with Professor Sad and, and, and people like Eric um, who are reaching into and thinking about different approaches and including going popular, like uh, Gad has been on uh, the Joe Rogan uh, experience. Uh, Eric's been on that many times. And Eric says to me, like, I don't think that people are gonna understand the, you know, 14 dimensional hop vibration that's present in his theory of everything. But, um, but physicists are terrible at using the public relations material that they have. And by him going on Joe Rogan, 9.4 million people saw a fiber bundle, you know, for the first, probably the only time they'll ever see it. Do they understand it? Absolutely not. And he knows that. But to show them that, and maybe there'll be 0.1%, you know, mm -hmm. you get 10,000 people, kids interested in the hop vibration, if maybe only to prove them wrong. But, but still, Marwa, isn't that a magical thing? Yeah. And so I always think back, I had on Carl Sagan's daughter, Sasha Sagan, mm -hmm. she wrote a book. I had on his widow, Andrurian, who's the Cosmos um, Next Generation series producer and writer. Mm -hmm. And both of them, I reminded that Carl said, he said once that a book is proof that humans can work magic. A book is the words of, the, of an author who might have died centuries ago, and you're hearing their voice in your head today. Now, you and I, this conversation will be available for generations. And so I say nowadays, a podcast is proof that human beings can work magic. 